Good evening, welcome to Left, Right and Centre. I'm Vishnu Shom on the programme tonight. A two-parter in just, it's a one-hour programme today in just a few minutes. All the key details that you need to know about the new nasal vaccine booster shots going forward. Dr. N.K. Arora, who heads the COVID working group, joins us at a time when the disease seems to be out of control in China, even though China has now opened up air travel, which means no sealed control of COVID-19 cases, no demarcation of high-risk areas, outbound tourism to resume gradually, among other steps. What does all of this, the outbreak of COVID in China, mean for us in India? Should we really be worried? And if we are just a little bit worried, because we don't need to panic, what are the steps we need to take? Uh, and particularly when it comes to booster doses. At half past the hour, the latest hate speech by the BJP leader Pragya Thakur, who urges the gathering to at least keep a sharp kitchen knife to cut throats and the heads of those indulging in love jihad. On the show, why is a free run given to a hate monger? But first, the very latest on the COVID situation in India. Indeed, uh, what we are seeing in China as well. What are some of the key uh, beliefs right now in India? Dr. N.K. Arora, the head of the COVID working group, chairman uh, of the COVID working group of NTAGI, which is the National Technical Advisory Group on Immunization, joins us. Thanks uh, very much, Dr. Arora, for being with us. The bottom line over here, uh, is India likely to to face the threat in terms of numbers which we are seeing in China now? Uh, thank you, Vishnu, for inviting me. Uh, your first question is uh, very important. And the, the response uh, we are seeing in this country, which is a very uh, preemptive and a proactive response, is primarily because there is huge opacity of what is happening in China. Opacity in terms of uh, the cases which are occurring, the severity of cases, their vaccination status, and then uh, the kind of uh, uh, variants, Omicron variants or the other variants which are circulating there. So this has led to uh, the country and the whole COVID working group uh, going in for a, 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 a whole uh, process of activating so that at the last moment or there should not be a moment where we scramble for our preparedness and so all this activity which we are going in having said that i would say there is no need to panic because on one side is the preparation but the most important thing is our genomic surveillance our surveillance is uh, uh, is at the top of uh, the the whole uh, activity and uh, uh, we are seeing uh, various uh, uh, sub-variants which are circulating in India and we find whatever filtered information we are getting, uh, we need not be worried because uh, most of these uh, which are reported from China have also been isolated. But Dr. Arora, I think the question is this, given the fact uh, that, you know, the information coming out of China is minuscule, is, is it your concern uh, as somebody who's, you know, who's really been studying this? that the primary variant of concern in China now is something we know very little about. It may not be the BA5 or BA7 or their sublineages. It could be something else. So, in fact, uh, just 48 hours ago, one of the international uh, uh, websites reported uh, the prevalent uh, uh, variants of, which are causing the outbreak in China. And what we find is that it's a mixture. 
and BF7 is only minuscule, only about 10 to 15 percent. Actually, there are two important series, BN series, BN series and BQ series. These together constitute about 50 percent of the isolates which are reported in that, uh, uh, which is called GISAT, GISAT uh, website. And then there is a small number of uh, XBB, which right. is in fact the dominant uh, weight. XBB is about 10 to 15 percent. So overall, BF7 is not something which uh, everybody is talking about. No, there is a mixture of various variants and the variable proportion like we see. And uh, almost all of these in some measure or the other, particularly I must say BF, BF7 is minuscule, only four isolates so far since July. And then BN1 and BQ1 is also there but they are also not too much, less than two or three percent. But the major thing which we are in India are seeing is XBV, which is about 70 percent of all the isolates we are getting on week to week basis for last and, and how dangerous is this, sir? I, see, for these variants behave differently according to local epidemiology. Right. And so in China today, it is causing havoc because they are like naive. They have not been exposed to the virus before. The second equally important is that the vaccine which they got probably was not as effective. And I must tell you, most of them have got three doses or four doses of their own Chinese vaccines. Still, they are having this kind of very severe outbreak. While in India, we have the benefit of three things. One is that throughout first wave, second wave and third wave, there has been exposure to natural infection. And uh, the most recent, there is a very recent data which shows that in children below 12 years where vaccine is not given, 95-96% of children are positive for COVID exposure. Second, that 92-97% of our children, individuals between 12 to rest of the age have got at least two primary doses. So this gives us a very nice hybrid immunity. And many of us have also suffered, I'm sure, uh, many of you within your close uh, contacts also, more than one infection also, yes. positive infection. So No, and, and, doc and Dr. Arora, I must tell you right now, you know, this must be at least the 20th interview that we've done over the last couple of years. And I disagreed with you on herd immunity or natural immunity, but it appears that the lack of this in China according to scientists, is a major contributory factor towards the illness spreading in that country. In other words, herd immunity or natural immunity is a big factor when it works alongside vaccines. I think this is a big learning uh, tool for a lot of us. And indeed for scientists, I'm just a journalist, a lot so of scientists I, around the world I, as well. So I, I would refrain from the word uh, herd immunity. No. Herd immunity is a very complicated issue I think we should refrain from. It is hybrid immunity. That natural infection and on top of that which has been uh, supplemented with vaccination. When these two occur, and I must tell you, in two of our Indian states, which initially behaved, uh, I mean, they had very strict lockdown and uh, containment uh, policies. And if you remember in the second wave for a long time, these two states continue to have a wave. So Ma Maharashtra and which other states are Kerala, right? Kerala. So this is, so our own experience shows, so it was not something uh, which, it was like a natural experiment which happened. And 
here in china we are seeing actual what happens in practically when you don't allow the people to be exposed and the the other thing which this country did was in a graded manner in a calibrated manner the people were exposed and therefore and while vaccination was going on and we see that we are one of the kind of very safe society today uh, from a covid perspective okay let's talk sir let's talk dr arora type of uh, virus circulating anywhere in the world okay uh, let's talk about the nasal vaccine uh, bharat biotech um what is the science behind it sir um and does it work so first of all it is a matter of pride that this nasal vaccine india has succeeded this is world's first although two vaccines were simultaneously given uh, within a gap of 24 hours but actually which has come for community use is the bharat biotech uh, incovac and the basic philosophy all over the world have a lot of people more than 20 groups are trying to build this uh, make this uh, vaccine but they have not succeeded this particular vaccine we have seen the data it provides a very uh, a very interesting way of uh, immune immunization while it provides uh, in body immune, immune system is, is uh, kind of activated that means there are circulating uh, immuno uh, means antibodies as well as t cells and other things but the entry point is the respiratory system nose mouth right. and my respiratory system where it builds like roadblocks the immune system builds up roadblocks here so that the virus is not allowed to enter so easily into the system and there are specific antibodies which are secreted into these respiratory tract and uh, they provide this unique concept and this is not going to help even uh, only for uh, covid all respiratory viruses infections this is a platform which will be very useful for many other uh, viruses but sir we don't have efficacy data as yet see uh, i must tell you so we can keep talking about it at this time none of the vaccines can have efficacy data because there it's a it's an emergency situation but what we have asked the uh, regulators and the producer that as the vaccine is rolled out so the study which have been done is bridging study or immunological study which shows it is compared to a standard vaccine and here in this case it was compared with covaxin but as it is rolled out simultaneously as phase 4 exercise efficacy is also to be documented and i hope that it will be done in a systematic manner and a years time we will come back with the efficacy of this vaccine also and none so, of the vaccines can have efficacy data at this time um who should be getting this vaccine sir anybody above the age of 18 years can get this vaccine it's very simple four drops in each nostril total of 0.5 ml is to be administered and uh, that's it and uh, it has very little adverse events except some nasal blockage you may get uh, for a short while otherwise uh, whatever the data is it's extremely safe vaccine and so it has to be administered by a nurse or a, a, a trained person right it's not something yeah. you take home no it is to be given at see one one has to be always worried the question is that with this vaccine like any other vaccine uh, we need to wait for 15 to 30 minutes as we were doing it with other vaccines so that in case there is a reaction it can be taken care of immediately although there were no reports in whatever data we have seen but one is always uh, as a precautionary measure should be given 
but the important point is it's just like oral polio which uh, you are aware so as our experience and confidence builds this will be something which will be uh, very easily administered anywhere in the community at home and other places just like polio all right uh, and sir the the, uh, the price uh, i know on uh, mass when it's uh, procured by the government it's less so uh, the will this rollout be uh, free for people beyond a certain age as we've seen in the past in government uh, dispensaries this question you should ask the health ministry it's a program issue i cannot answer this question the the ministry will answer that question uh, but uh, I, i i can tell you technically uh, this is a very good vaccine and here i would like to add one additional point that we have another vaccine carbovax which is also approved for as a, uh, a precaution or a booster dose so now we will have a bouquet of vaccines which is heterologous booster which is considered better than homologous so bulk of our population has received covishield and covaxin 10% covaxin 90% covishield now we have two vaccines which are heterologous and we will be uh, uh, they, they, the community can take either of these and another 6 weeks or 8 weeks we should have two more uh, vaccines and so, so hypothetically sir since covid is now endemic unfortunately it's it's a fact 6 months later would people uh, you know necessarily require another booster uh, of of the nasal drop i mean does so, this is this going to be a part of our lives going forward is what i'm asking so you are asking basically are we going to need repeated boosters yeah that's the question you are yeah. asking yeah and and the scientific answer is that at the moment there is no evidence that further vaccines will be required or not required even in countries where people have taken three doses and well, four doses and five doses of vaccine particularly these mrna vaccines in north america and europe but they continue to suffer from infection so the value of vaccine even in who recent review has not shown any positive benefit out of these and, and yet we are recommending this sir why why then are we recommending this so we are recommending it as only first booster we are not recommended so for example som has received already a precaution dose it is not recommended for you Got if it. i That's have already taken a vaccine no i will not take it it is for those who have not yet taken a precaution dose what if a person wants to take a second uh, booster i i do <laughs> well uh, as far as program is is, is, is there anything wrong with that i you know it's it's a fair question i think a lot no, of people I, i will i will tell you so as a, as part of the program no the covin will not accept a fourth dose now ah. let let us have a, assume that uh, you you want to take another fourth dose so there is a concept what is called as antigenic sin now this is a new emerging that repeatedly if i am Uh, immunizing the person with a particular type of antigen the body stops responding or responds poorly and that is given one of the answers that initially vaccine uh, uh, booster was given with mrna at 6 months later on people are taking at 3 months but it has not helped too much in that case so okay. therefore at the moment taking another vaccine dose or additional fourth dose there is uh, there is no value of that and and i can't i can't get on covid uh, it it will not uh, it will not let me do it right that's 
that's that is uh, underlying baseline at the moment okay all right thanks dr arora wonderful to speak to you and uh, oh, so many points over here didn't Thank know that much. I couldn't get an extra dose. But thanks for telling me. Thanks very much indeed. We're going to open up our panel right now. Dr. Raman Ganga Khetkar with us, Dr. Lee Mang Yan, a Chinese virologist with us, Dr. Louise Blair, and Dr. Isaac Bogoch. Thank you all very much for being with us. Um, Dr. Blair, let me come to you first. Nasal vaccines, uh, we're rolling them out in India for certain groups. You heard what Dr. Arora had to say. He's in charge of the vaccination program at one level. Uh, what promise do nasal vaccines hold as booster doses? Well, the hope is that these nasal vaccines, um, as your previous guest uh, mentioned, will stop the infection uh, better than uh, vaccines that are uh, administered intramuscularly. So because it's delivered into uh, the nasal passage, uh, the hope is that the antibodies uh, within that nasal passage are primed to uh, respond uh, if there is a new infection. So it could help uh, prevent uh, the initial infection, as well as uh, hopefully the protection from severe diseases received from other vaccinations. Dr. Bogoch, uh, the fact that, you know, you don't have to get a shot, you don't need to get an injection, uh, it, it, it obviously means that getting, um, you know, boosted is so much easier, even though you can't take this home and, and, you know, it has to be administered, but it's much easier. And therefore, uh, all across the world, the process of boosting people, I presume the numbers would go up substantially. Yeah, I completely agree. And in all fairness, I think it's important to be excited, but still wait for meaningful data to look at the effect, uh, the efficacy and effectiveness of the nasal vaccines. Obviously, they hold promise. We just don't know if they work and if so, how well they work. So it's exciting times, but I don't want to get too far ahead uh, on, on this just yet. Having said that, I completely agree. I mean, uh, there we can't ignore the fact that there are so many people that have a phobia to needles and that needles certainly are a barrier to many people getting vaccinated, and that if indeed these nasal vaccines pan out and work, and theoretically they should, we just don't know if they actually do, that will be a significant part of lowering barriers to vaccinations. I'll remind people that many parts of the world do have a nasal vaccine for influenza, particularly for young children, and it works me mediocre at best. Uh, people might debate with me on this fact, but it's actually rather challenging to get a child to take a nasal vaccine. You have to sniff at the same time the vaccine is getting administered. And a lot of the time it just runs down their face and you're not entirely sure how much they get. So there's some practical aspects of this that probably need to be ironed out as well. OK, that's interesting. Dr. Limang uh, Yan, you know, we spoke a couple of days back. Ma'am, is there any further clarity that you're getting on uh, what we are seeing in China? I ask this now because curbs have been removed in China for international travel. People going in to China, for example, uh, it, I mean, they, they've essentially opened up their entire system at a time when they appear to be in trouble. What is the situation uh, as far as the virus now is concerned? Uh, the numbers we were talking about a few days back, one to two million deaths in a finite period of time, you know, I mean, are we scaling down on those numbers? Uh, thank you. So first, I, I want to tell people it's very irresponsible for Chinese communist government to open the border at this moment because now clearly it's virus tsunami in China. And the worst thing is that more and more uh, healthy adults start to have the pneumonia and also uh, other severe symptoms. And the transmissibility is very high. Uh, symptoms is severe uh, and also 
the death in the death toll is still increasing, and in many places, uh, in China, they have to build the new crematories. Uh, so at this moment, when government don't uh, doesn't allow people to do the virus examination, don't let people know what variant is circulating, and even the worst thing is, we heard a lot of symptomatic patients have got the negative testing result using antigen kits uh, at home. So this makes me very worried about the situation. We really don't know what would happen to the world when China reopens. But I want to tell people is don't just contribute. It's simply to uh, lifting the uh, lifting the COVID zero, uh, zero COVID policy or the China vaccine uh, efficiency. It cannot explain the all the symptoms happened at the same times, uh, multiple areas all across China like this. Right, right. No, no, it's a huge concern. Dr. Ravan Ganga Khetkar, um, you know, as a former head of epidemiology at the Indian Council for Medical Research, um, what is your sense of what we are seeing now in China and its impact on India? Um, you know, we heard Dr. Arora speak. We, we, we know about natural immunity in our country and vaccination. But um, given uh, the, the, the significant rise in numbers in China, air travel is open. Uh, are we likely to see some sort of increase in India in the number of cases, a substantial increase? I, it's very difficult to say whether we will see increase in numbers because one must keep at the back of mind that most of these variants that are coming up are milder in terms of their symptomatology. And what we have seen in Omicron, you know, the number of people who were getting infected actually and the people who were willing to get tested, there was a huge disparity. People never wanted to get tested because it didn't cause any kind of a severe disease, especially among those who were younger ones per se. So it's very difficult to say if the variant does come in India, will we see increase in numbers? Because for increase, you need to diagnose. And for diagnosis, you need to see that the patients come to you. Sure. So that's going to be a bottleneck. Second thing which we have to think about is even if these variants come, the truth is, for last 13 months, we have this Omicron, which was first reported in November 2021 in South Africa. Now, 13 years have, 13 months have passed by, and there is no new variant which is which would be which can be called as variant of concern, which is departure from the earlier variants that had come. So, unless a new variant that comes which has increased virulence, either it increases the risk of hospitalization or death, perhaps we will not know whether the numbers are increasing. Okay. If the variant is milder, numbers perhaps would be hidden because they are largely either asymptomatic or people don't come forward to test. Dr. Louise Blair, um, I think a question which a lot of our viewers would be asking is this. Is there, where is the science as far as developing um, a silver bullet is concerned, a, a magic vaccine, one that deals with COVID once and for all? Because I do know that there is science underway to getting there. How far off are we? Yeah, so in terms of vaccines being developed that target um, uh, different strains, uh, 
we are seeing uh, that in terms of we know the mRNA vaccines, uh, bivalent vaccines are available. So looking at targeting the original strain as well as um, Omicron subvariants. What we're quite a way off um, of is different uh, coronaviruses, for example. They're very much in the early stage and yet to go through um, the clinical trials and the data needed to be able to um, uh, roll out those vaccines. So increasing uh, research needed on uh, broader coronavirus vaccines, uh, but we do have uh, vaccines being developed that target multiple strains at once, which also there is hope that uh, they could also have better protection against uh, new emerging variants. Uh, but broad coronavirus vaccines uh, yet to have large clinical trials. Yep. Uh, Dr. Bogoch, uh, the fact that you know it's now COVID is now being looked at as being endemic, what what does that mean for all of us, all all across the world? What what does that mean that we're we're always going to be at risk of getting seriously ill? Something uh, you know, I mean, we, we we know how bad it can get. Is that what uh, what we'll face for the rest of our lives? Well, hopefully not, obviously, but uh, I still think that some people had this uh, perhaps misperception or misconception that endemic meant that the pandemic was over and that there was nothing left to worry about. All that means is that there's more stable and basal rates of COVID with more predictable waxing and waning of, uh, of rates in the community. Um, and, and sadly, that if, if this is indeed endemic in many parts of the world now, that's not good. We should still be taking steps to protect ourselves, to protect our communities, to create safer indoor spaces, to ensure that this has less of an impact on individuals, on communities, on healthcare systems, because there's still an unacceptable number of deaths related to COVID. I think it's fair to say it's not going away. We know it's not going away, but we can still take additional steps to really ensure that we're just not as significantly impacted by this as we currently are. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you all very much uh, for joining us. Uh, it isn't going away, unfortunately, uh, but there is promise, certainly here in India, there's a sense that the new Bharat Biotech uh, nasal vaccine as a booster dose uh, will work. But I think a couple of important points that Dr. Arora mentioned earlier on, that this is a booster dose for those who haven't been boosted as yet. Uh, it's not uh, a booster dose for those who want a second booster. So if you've had a booster dose already, your name will not be uh, on COVID. Your name will be on COVID. You won't be allowed to register for this nasal uh, vaccine, this nasal booster. And as far as the efficacy of the drug is concerned, he says it's being rolled out now and it's too premature to get efficacy data. Safety data is out, uh, but it would take perhaps a year uh, post this rollout to get a real idea of how much uh, and, and how well it actually works. Pricing details still being worked out, uh, but anybody above the age of 18, if you've not been boosted, uh, can actually get into COVID, uh, the website, the app, register themselves, and then in a short period of time, it should be rolling out soon, get uh, in Quebec. That's the name of the new Bharat Biotech nasal vaccine. We'll take a short break and we'll come back with something new. Uh, we'll come back with a different topic and something which um, has hurt so many. Why is a free run being given to the hate monger Pragya Thakur? Sharpen your knife, she says. She warns about love jihad. Uh, and in, in, in language which clearly divides, the Congress Party says they're thinking about going to court.
Welcome back. The latest hate speech by the BJP leader Pragya Thakur, who has urged the gathering where she was speaking to at least keep a sharp kitchen knife to cut throats and heads of those indulging in love jihad. On the show, why is a free run being given to a hate monger? इसलिए लव जिहाद करने वालों को लव जिहाद जैसा उत्तर दो अपनी लड़कियों को सुरक्षित रखो अपनी लड़कियों को संस्कारित करो अपने घर में हथियार रखो कुछ नहीं तो सब्जी काटने वाला चाकू जरा तेज रखो जब हमारा सब्जी अच्छे से कटेगी तो निश्चित रूप से दुश्मनों के मुंह भी और सिर भी अच्छे से कटेंगे shocking remarks that at a time when the supreme court has said that action needs to be taken against hate speech uh, joining us now dr shashi uh, panja cabinet minister in the government of west bengal uh, and a spokesperson of the trinamool congress geeta bhat sanjay jha joins us pramila nasargi of the bjp and will be joined by by, by dr vikram singh the former director general of police uh, in uttar pradesh in fact he joins us um pramila nasargi does anything justify these remarks I don't, I don't agree. You know, see, she is a representative of the parliament. She represents. She must be a role model, and whatever she speaks, she must be very careful. Especially if she is addressing the gathering, the people will al always follow the MPs, and they believe in their words. I do not think that she has done a just uh, talk which should should not have been done. I feel that she must apologize. and she must withdraw that and she must tell the people that it was done in maybe under some impression or some such thing but she must withdraw that i don't agree with that remarks should she uh, should the party not have taken action against her or shouldn't the party be taking action against her pramila ji that is left to the party whatever they take they may they may have their own way of telling her <clears throat> they may issue a shokas notice or they may call her and warn her it is their lookout i am not here to say what they should do but in fact they should take action i feel that they must warn her and they must tell her in clearly cut words that you should not have uttered those words i agree you know a knife is there why the knife is knife is used for cutting cake knife is, knife is used for making the bread slices knife is used for cutting vegetables that does not mean that she must advise the people to use the knife for taking action against other person it may be law jihad or it may be something else there is a method in madness too how action to be taken law will take its own course they can lodge a complaint and they must take but this is not the way to advise people dr shashi panja is that uh, answer from pramila ji who herself is a senior leader of the bjp uh, you know an indicator about the party may be thinking on those remarks now with due respect to pramila ji we are actually not convinced by her argument it's very unfortunate even we are elected representatives and elected she is a law maker she is a repeated hate monger and in fact she is a terror accused she is out on bail on medical grounds because she probably has cancer or something and that's why she's out on bail and she's not supposed to utter these what is the example that as a law maker we are setting for the country and imagine as a law maker if i do not have faith in the law of the country how do you expect the people to have faith in the uh, courts of law 
or even any kind of uh, legal uh, jurisdiction is very unfortunate but you know she has she's a repeated offender and uh, having said that bjp in the past i think even the prime minister had uh, once uh, you know condemned her statement on mahatma gandhi but even then after that what did we see she got a ticket to stand for mp election from bopal so where were you forget forgiven and if you think that we are all going to forgive and forget i think uh, it is just taking the story too far it's very unfortunate yes. and uh, there is no line of defense that anybody can take uh, geeta ji um, in october just two months back the supreme court told states and i quote from their order uh, their judgment a hate speech is a very serious issue treat it as a criminal case file cases on hate speech without waiting for complaints act against those making hate speeches irrespective of religion constitution envisages a secular nation and fraternity among citizens etc etc don't you believe more action should have been taken against her legally uh well uh, vishnu ji thanks for inviting me on your show and uh, you see uh, you know if you look uh, at these words uh, uh, then uh, definitely you know the uh, those who are uh, in public life they have to be very careful when they are uh, addressing a particular issue but if you look at the context in which these words were being used i mean i'm not justifying what has been used but the context was the brutal murder of harsha in the yes. month of february uh, and that too there was a case when there was these uh, you know uh, these movements which were going on in the south and especially in karnataka regard from by school girls for wearing of hijab and when he had put a post in on facebook which in a way was contrary to that he was on this context harsha was very brutally murdered and in fact the nia in its uh, charge sheet that it has filed says that it was nothing so which was uh, you know which just happened the murder was very well planned and it was a conspiracy it was in this backdrop in with respect to self defense that uh, the issue was being addressed by the member oh, of ma'am but this this but the, you heard the, the language it's not language of self defense it's language of an eye for an eye right it's 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 putting one community against the other firstly we can go See, into endless arguments on this entire love jihad business most people or many people feel that it's just a bogey but for a no, minister no, I, to act for an mp i differ i differ from you it is not a bogey love jihad is something which is uh, uh, you know very much real which is which happens all around how us. many number what numbers to, do you have of love jihad close our eyes and pretend that it is not happening so the love jihad is a reality no, but on what basis do you say that geeta ji there are innumerable such cases how many cases are there ma'am in a country as large as ours can you give me a number there are innumerable numbers where in the ncrb data is there something called love jihad you know four to five cases yes it definitely no ma'am geeta ji geeta ji ma'am ma'am i you know you can say that there are innumerable cases but i'm asking you where is the ncrb data ncrb data definitely it needs to be this issue needs to be addressed by the ncrb and it, you this kind of a question needs to be uh, you know needs to be posed and looked into but the fact is it is a reality dr singh is it enough for is it so ma'am geeta ji get i get your point Dr Singh do you believe that it's enough for say Geeta ji to say or assert that look it is happening let's not be blind to it or do you believe that it's not happening in the in, in since data is missing where is the data isn't that the key issue here Rajnu ji 
Vishnuji, this is a very serious matter. Wild allegations do not serve any purpose. If there is a data, and I've, I've been channel after channel, there are only two things that are given. That the Kerala High Court has used the word love jihad. We are using the word love jihad even in your channel. That doesn't mean confirm or contradicts anything. Then they say the Hindu Mahasabha has given a data 451 love jihad. But Hindu Mahasabha, whatever data they may give you, is uncorroborated, unproven, and unless it is corroborated by facts and investigation, it cuts no ice anywhere. And therefore, I would say, unless a thing is confirmed, it need not be even mentioned here. Sanjay Jhad, uh, if we get back to Pragya Thakur, the number of times that there have been hate speeches which she has made, it's almost as if she has a free pass. Somebody like Nupur Sharma was ultimately not given a free pass. She was suspended as a spokesperson. Naveen Jindal was suspended as well over remarks on the Prophet. BJP leaders were directed not to comment on religious figures. This became an international issue. It affected our relations with Middle Eastern nations. A police case was filed against her and others were promoting enmity. And yet over here, nothing seems to be done. Is it, the, no, is it a free pass? Yeah, Vishnu, let me tell you, first and foremost, where love jihad is concerned, I think it insults the women of this country. It insults the girls of this country whose independent decisions to marry whom they want is now going to be subjected to some kind of an interfaith monitoring. I mean, clearly, this is a political game plan, but it is so insulting to women. Can I also be a candid on your show? Yes, of course. I really admire what Pramila Ji has said. You know, she, she appears to me, I'm first time speaking with her on a TV channel debate, but she seems to belong to the Vajpayee age of the BJP. We are living in the age of Mr. Narendra Modi and Mr. Amit Shah. And let's call a spade a spade here. It is not enough for us to just indulge in making politically correct statements. Why is Pragya Thakur getting a free pass? Because even their super bosses make a statement like, we have taught them a lesson. Why don't you think Pragya Thakur will actually get some kind of inspiration and motivation and encouragement? This is what I call as the dog whistle politics that Mr. Shah and Mr. Modi practice. Tell me one thing on Bilkis Banu case, and we still have to wait for those, what the Supreme Court says. Mr. Modi is from Gujarat. It's an absolutely repugnant, reprehensible case where rapists have been released by the Gujarat government. Have you heard a word from the Prime Minister? Tell me Let one thing. Let me put that across to Pramila ji. You know, it's... it's uh, it is, uh, it's wonderful, ma'am, that you don't accept this language of hate and of violence. Um, but don't you believe that senior leaders in your party, including the Prime Minister, should step forward and say this is rubbish, it, it is intolerable, it's illegal? It's illegal. I can't really understand. For every small thing, you want to say Prime Minister must intervene, Home Minister must intervene. No, but ma'am, is it a small thing? They is it a small thing? the country. And they are, I'm telling you, I, I'll, just, I'll just tell you. Go See, Lao Jihad is there, it's apparent. Everyone knows that it's going on. But there's a method, how to control it. We have been saying, you know, law is there. That does not mean law can be taken by your own hands. It can't. You know, individual can take the law into their own hands. There is government, there is police, there is a system, and only under that umbrella, it must be worked off. You can't say you have a knife, and to safeguard yourself, you can always no, use Pramila it. Ji, to what save your life, have... but not to indulge Ma'am, you're a lawyer. And you, you base your arguments on facts, ma'am. You're trained to do that. Yes. So I'm asking you, Respectfully, what numbers do you have on love jihad in this country? 
which are substantiated and where there have been convictions in a court of law. Sir, I am not believing in conviction. I don't think in the present system. Ma'am, you are a lawyer, ma'am. How can you not be believe in Evidence convictions? Evidence will not be there. They will be there. I, I, am, I, I, I tell you, I myself had many cases of love jihad and I had a case from Shivamogha itself. You will be surprised. A gun was taken away from there and she was kept in Bangalore in near Munirajapalya in fifth floor. The girl was not able to come over and one day her mother got a phone call stating that come and rescue me, I am having fever. She was admitted to hospital. They came to me. I had an time to interview the girl. She said, if I take any action, I, my life is in danger. I can't come out. I can't, be, I can't protect myself. Then I, I took the note, note of it and I gave complaint to the pol concerned police officer. No, but but ma'am, in interfaith relationships, the scenario you described, ma'am. This is what is going on. This, these are so many instances. No, but Pramilaji, in respectfully, so in interfaith relationships which have gone wrong, exactly the opposite can happen. It could be a member of another faith who is the attacker and, and a member of another faith uh, who is suffering. There is no reverse love jihad now, is there? If it is happening, it will continue If, if to there is a crime so like we, this, it is a crime under multiple sections of law. How to control this? It's, it's not about religion, it's about a murder, it's about a kidnapping, it's, it's about the, an attack or an assault on another individual. Why give it a religious spin when you cannot substantiate that with a number or what courts have said in terms of convictions? Convictions, even in murder cases, how, how many convictions are there? How many convictions are there? Conviction will be done only given when okay. only legal evidence is tendered before the court. Right, but but, but, but ma'am, there is no legal, legal evidence, evidence which is given, ma'am. So, I mean, if you are alleging a conspiracy, which is what love jihad is, it is, a, it is an allegation evidence. of a conspiracy and you don't provide the data to the court, how can there be a conviction? Sanjay has a point. Go ahead, Sanjay. You know, Vishnu. I'll come to all of you, Sanjay yeah, first. Geeta, I'll come to you after that, Geeta ji. Yeah, Sanjay first. Yeah. Half a sec, ma'am. Sanjay ji first, then Geeta ji, and then Mrs. Uh, Dr. Panja. Yes. Yeah. Vishnu, let me tell you this that over the last eight years, and let's call a spade a spade here, we are seeing a progressive polarization in India. The BJP is now blatantly playing identity politics. In no democracy in the world, when there were public calls for genocide of the minorities in, in a country, would the top leadership remain quiet and pretend as if nothing happened? No, but Sanjay, I no, must disagree with you somewhat. Because in as much as you can talk about the remarks made by, say, the BJP leader Parvesh Varma, Anurag Thakur, uh, or uh, Nupur Sharma, or Pragya Thakur, what about cases made by others in opposition parties? For example, remarks made by... Uh, Akbaruddin Owesi of Azam Khan, who's been convicted, in fact, for a provocative speech, or Badruddin Ajmal as well. So the, the, the language of hate, you know, is split. I'm not saying it's split down the center. I'm yeah. saying it's split. Yeah. I mean, and, I've and got two pages of horrible things people have said. Some Absolutely. are Hindu, some are Muslim, some are BJP, some are other parties. Absolutely. And, you know, Vishnu, you have hit the nail on the head. You see, what the BJP does, I'm not trying to at all here, you know, stand to not condemn the horrible statements made by fundamentalists from the Muslim community. But the truth of the matter here is 
that the Bharatiya Janata Party is in government, right? You have a responsibility because you literally control <laughs> the political discourse of the country. And end of day for them, identity politics, religious polarization plays into electoral performance. I mean, that is really the modus of Vivendi for them because it plays into their electoral playbook. And why would, in, and let me tell you, in no democracy of the world, would the prime minister or the political leader be quiet when there's such a flagrant violation of basic, I would say, fundamental rights that a citizen has against hate speech? Sure. The Supreme Court comments on it, but the government is silent. What does it tell you? Geeta ji, you had a point. Go ahead. Yeah, Vishnu ji, you know, I, as far as the Bilkis Bano case case, I think Mr. Jha, you know, he straight away points a finger to the on the prime minister. But he is not questioning that why is it that the Supreme Court, you know, Bilkis Bano went to the Supreme Court with the plea, but it was turned down by the Supreme Court. Is it that Supreme Court did it just on, you know, their own, uh, some, you know, whims and fancies or was it, was it because... There was some legal reason behind the case it. Is pending. So please, let us not try to put, you know, portray case uh, this pending. case in such a manner. Secondly, there are innumerable, if, if, since you are asking for that, where are the numbers? Yes, there needs to be a documentation in these numbers, but I very categorically remember that a national tutor named Tara Sardio, he was, you know, on, uh, a man married her on the pretext of being a Hindu and later on she came to know that he was actually a Muslim and then this became, it was a very big news and she actually went to the court. Uh, Ma'am, in a country as large as ours, oh, it is not just how that. can you there say that things. love jihad is no, a concerted conspiracy so, by Muslims about, among members of the Hindu the, community? Interfaith relations can go wrong. Perhaps this was one relationship which went wrong. But why the moment you, you use love jihad, you label an entire community, ma'am. That's the problem. I am not labeling it as free these are all anecdotal examples. Let me let me ask who coined this term love jihad? It was the uh, High Court judge in Kerala, T. Sankaran, who actually he he was the one who actually asked the government to look into this matter because there were innumerable such cases coming in the state. And, and on the basis of that, what has been done, ma'am? How many cases there exist is right now? All right, government. fine. Let me ask Dr. Panja that question. Dr. Panja, the definition of love jihad. Actually, uh, Vishnuji, Vishnuji, there are lots of new definitions which are being gradually introduced under the, you know, NDA government. And vigilantism justice is something which they have introduced. And it is like interfering in everybody's lives. And relationships which have gone awry, relationships which have gone bad, have now all been given a communal tone. No wonder there is so much of communal tension, which has almost increased 28% under this uh, government since 2014. So it is uh, who, as you rightly said, Vishnu Shom, that these are all criminal cases and there is a law for it. But the very fact that the interfaith relationships are deliberately being given a communal, you know, kind of a outlook is that is very, very unfortunate. And uh, uh, instead of trying to terminate the uh, argument by not justifying what Pragya Sadhvi Pragya Thakur said, you are perpetuating it. I mean, uh, Sanjay Jaji, you uh, honestly praised the uh, lady, uh, the lawmaker from Karnataka a bit too early. Because ultimately, uh, they are all believing in the concept of love jihad. Well, what is this? It's vigilantism justice. I mean, is this the way justice is uh, given or have they reached a conclusion? Uh, All right. Okay. Last last word to uh, to uh, 
Dr. Vikram Singh, sir, as a former Director General of Police, if you are given an order or, or you see an order from uh, a court, the Supreme Court on hate speech, uh, that action must be taken, don't wait for complaints, treat it as a criminal cases, act against those making hate speeches irrespective of religion, isn't the police, isn't it incumbent upon the police to carry out arrests? There's been no action in Vishnuji, this case. Vishnuji, this is not rocket science. They've seen Poonawala versus United of India. Suvo moto action has to be taken. And the law is very simple. 295A of the IPC, 153A of the IPC, 505 of the IPC. If this doesn't work, National Security Act, subsection 1, public order. Where there is a will, there is a way. But if you choose to look the other way, well, this is exactly what we should have been debating. The rule of law is supreme, applicable to all of us, including you, me, and everybody in the country. But yes... Show me the man and I'll show you the rules. It doesn't work that way. I think that's the unfortunate truth. Just one more point as I wrap this up. Here's what, here's what the Supreme Court said, and perhaps we need to remind ourselves of this as we discuss these <coughs> statements of hate. The Constitution envisages a secular nation and fraternity among citizens. There cannot be fraternity unless communities are able to live in harmony. The moment we have statements like this, go brandish a knife, uh, which can be used to cut off somebody's head, then how are we doing anything of that sort? And these things keep coming up over and over again. It's sad. We leave uh, this uh, debate over here. I'd like to thank you all very much for being with us. We take this short break. More coming up. <laughs>